I'm looking at all the traces right now. You're just a baby. You know, so I feel like this is a conversation <laughs> I have all the time. Brought to you by iLand, this is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bytes in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with performance in the cloud. My name is Brian Knudsen. I'm the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for iLand and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes an exciting group of high-performance cloud experts. Let's start with having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about performance in the cloud. Hello, I'm called Rebecca Fitzhugh, and I'm a member of the core architecture team at a software company that specializes in teamwork and collaboration tools. I lead the strategic vision and enterprise architecture for the cloud platform and our developer experience. So when you're thinking about performance, it really does come back to what is the optimal architecture for this service or application, or what is the appropriate right sizing? Yeah, this is Jason Shiplett. I'm a Staff 2 Solutions Architect at VMware. I work primarily focused on VMware Cloud Foundation and creating validated solutions and designs for that platform. My thing for performance is, like anything else, performance is a function of expectations and measurement, for lack of a better word. The ability to show that things are meeting certain performance KPIs, unless you have good monitoring, unless you have good KPIs set up in the first place, how do you know that you're meeting them? Hi, my name is David Klee, and I am the founder of two companies, Heraflux Technologies and Sequilibrium Education. I'm lucky enough to be a Microsoft Data Platform MVP and a VMware V expert, so I'm pretty highly opinionated. (laughs) Works out well for this podcast. I spend my days consulting and training on how the Microsoft Data Platform and the infrastructure underneath it, be it cloud or on-prem, really don't play well together. And it really lines up for a really big challenge with performance in the cloud. We deal with some pretty big architectures. And unless you have the demands identified of your workload in the cloud, if you don't architect it properly, you're going to end up with some pretty substantial performance bottlenecks. Now, where it's at remains to be seen, but life gets really interesting. Thank you all for joining me. Performance is always at the forefront of the minds of technologists when designing an application. When doing this, designing on-premises, the biggest hindrance to performance is usually the cost of the systems needed to achieve the goals. However, the cloud can be a bit more opaque when you can't directly control or monitor the infrastructure. Plus, configuration options like instance sizing and types can significantly harm performance if not properly considered. While it's far from the biggest concern of moving to the cloud, performance did come in directly in the middle of the polling I did at several VMUGs before the pandemic. Rebecca, is it safe for customers to just assume all clouds have enough performance and that customers shouldn't really worry about it while considering different cloud providers? It's a good question. And to be honest, I think it's posed a bit unidimensionally because there's always a lot more nuance to any conversation around performance. So like everything, the answer really is it depends. So I asked, you know, what are you trying to accomplish here? If I'm a customer looking to adopt some sort of turnkey SaaS solution, like say, I don't know, HubSpot, 
then yeah, you could probably assume that this solution can meet your performance needs. SaaS vendors are architecting their backend platform for multi-tenant environment that does guarantee a certain level of performance. So pay attention to whatever the advertised SLOs are for that vendor. But let's say that you are looking to build and run workloads in the public cloud. Then in terms of does the cloud have enough performance that you don't need to really worry about it? Well, then kind of, yeah, you can get the performance you need, but the onus is on you to architect your applications in an optimized manner. So architectures may use different choices for various components and enable different feature sets to improve that performance. So, for example, doing something like selecting the wrong compute choice for an architecture could lead to lower performance efficiencies. You might choose to, for example, decompose a monolithic application to take advantage of more of a microservice or serverless architecture. So, for example, you could then leverage a managed service such as something like Amazon DynamoDB that provides a fully managed non-relational database with single-digit millisecond latency at pretty much any scale. And the cloud gives you the ability to go global in minutes and deploy resources across multiple locations around the globe to be closer to your end users and take advantage of things like caching technologies and content delivery networks. So really, it comes back to what is the optimal architecture for this service or application and what is the appropriate right sizing? And keep in mind that the cloud does provide a lot of flexibility that allows you to expand and reduce your resources dynamically through a variety of mechanisms that keep your changes and meet them as demanded. So you have the ability to really do things like spike it out and just see what works best and then make decisions from there. But it really comes back to what is the application architecture? I always joke with people that cloud's got all the performance that you want as long as you've got an unlimited budget and a thick wallet. (laughs) But it always goes back to exactly what you said. It's what do you need? And if your application code is the primary bottleneck, no amount of throwing money at it is going to help you once you hit that point of diminishing returns. But it's one of those things. If the platform is holding you back, you can scale it up, be it storage speed, compute speed, memory scale, you know, whatever you need to meet your workload. The bulk of the things that I work with are pretty darn big systems and they're not little in terms of resource consumption or price. And you got to be able to design it properly, but it goes back to exactly what you said. It's understanding your workload and designing what you need and looking for the bottlenecks. I think you brought up an important point around cost. Cost is such an important dimension when you think about the public cloud, because I think Probably the point that we're all going to make today is the technology is there, the capacity is there. It's about how you architect it and then goes back to can you even afford that level of performance, (laughs) right? So what's the appropriate performance? To me, the appropriate performance is I need it to perform in an acceptable manner. A lot of people, a lot of performance tuners in my world, they want it to be as fast as humanly possible. But for most people, one millisecond or five milliseconds is an order of magnitude on price, but nobody's going to notice the difference. So how good is good enough? And what can I do within the budget that I need it to fit within? Right. And that really speaks to understanding the application, understanding what you're delivering and how all of the different interdependent pieces fit together. And that is, I mean, to me, really the most important part of designing for performance Because if you don't know your application stack, if you don't know how all the disparate pieces fit together, how are you ever going to determine where your bottlenecks are? How are you ever going to determine 
how you can make performance leaps, you know, from iteration to iteration. Exactly. If you don't know the layers, you don't know the KPIs in order to figure out where the bottlenecks are at. I, I spend eight to 12 hours a day working on that exact intersection of technologies to figure out where the bottlenecks are, where the problems are at, where the pinch points are at. And I, I have an absolute blast watching these layers shift as you go clean up the foundation underneath these mission-critical app stacks. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of moving parts, particularly in the cloud. You know, you introduce more moving parts, and customers are used to being in that dedicated environment where they can control everything. And then they move to the cloud, and they're in this shared environment. So, David, maybe you can dig a little bit deeper into how this dynamic of all these pieces will change and how their expectations around performance and monitoring that performance maybe should change along with it. Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. When you are in, let's say, an on-prem environment, and I focus mostly on the Microsoft data platform stack, so SQL Server and that sort of stuff, usually I have to deal with the way the applications are handling the data, so CPU consumption, memory consumption, interconnect speed, you know, that sort of layer. When you hit the database platform, there's database workloads by database, by file, by line, by storage device, you know, CPU speed, CPU capacity, core count, licensing, memory amounts, all these sort of pieces all play into the bigger puzzle. And you know, that's not even including the application layer with how those interact and consume the data and the efficiency at which you can actually get the commands to the database and then process the data that's returned. And there are just so many moving parts to this. When you are in the cloud, things are different. There could be latency between the endpoints that you may not be taking into consideration, or some parts of the puzzle are on-prem, others are in the cloud. you got to deal with internet congestion, WAN latency, those sort of things. There's just a lot more moving parts. And if you're on-prem, you may have full visibility into all of these pieces. If you're in the cloud, depending on which service you're looking at, you may have a subset of the telemetry that you're used to if you get it at all. Now, there's tools that come with all the cloud platforms for these different components, but it may not be what you're used to. It may have different layers of metrics or different granularity. We have to change the process to manage expectations and not just manage performance. And it gets really interesting really fast. I think you hit a key point there around managing expectations. So, you know, one of the first things that I do anytime performance comes up in a conversation, it's always like pause, right? Before we go any further, we really need to establish what KPIs we're talking about to make sure that we're really speaking a consistent language. Because what I consider good performance, what you consider good performance, it's really subjective at the end of the day. So it's about using empirical, well-established and agreed upon KPIs and metrics. Yeah. And then we can you know, leverage whatever monitoring tools, observability tools, and telemetry to make the informed decisions. But it's about getting that agreement, I think, first. Yes, objectivity. I was going to say the agreement is a really big part of that, especially when you're talking about giving control of your systems over to a third party. If those SLOs, like you mentioned before, if those SLOs aren't in place, if you haven't worked out an agreement with your provider for a minimally acceptable level of performance, then if you're running into issues, you know, they might say everything's great on our end. So, you know, it's on your end. So shove off and you have no recourse at that point if you don't have established KPIs that you can, you know, revert back to say, oh, well, you know, this application is responsive at 150 milliseconds when you say that. I'll get, you know, 15 milliseconds. So let's resolve that issue. 
if you don't hammer that stuff out at the beginning, then it's really hard to go back on. Exactly. It's such a fascinating conundrum because you have to make it objective. If you don't, you have absolutely no leg to stand on or fall back onto with those expectations. As you look at those, I think it's fair to say that it's not only with the cloud provider that you need to establish those and, and set the proper boundaries to know who's responsible when things have gone past a certain level that attention needs to be given, but it's also with your end users and making sure they understand that there's a certain level of performance expectation there as well, and that they need to understand that the performance that they got on-premises could change because of the cloud. Now, ideally, we're going to architect it so that there is no difference and and ideally an improvement because that's always going to help with the acceptance of a new way of doing it. But they also need to understand that different things are going to happen and there may be temporary slowdowns that before they would have called up immediately for that the cloud, sometimes things get bursty and, and you just have to wait out a performance lag like that. Is that a fair thing to say as well? Yeah. Cloud is variable, period. <laughs> you know, you can see it in anything that you do. And those expectations have to be set appropriately or else you're going to get inundated with calls on things that you can do very little about. Yeah, I mean, it's such a, I don't want to say crapshoot, but when you do big things like take the systems that are doing this work out of your data center, out of your, you know, especially if you're talking about that being on-premises, you know, co-located with the users as long as the infrastructure is performing well, performance is always going to be good. You know, you're you're introducing a big unknown between where your users are and where the application sits. That's always going to be a variable that you have to be able to take into consideration. It's a very interesting point, Jason. I think it also, to me, kind of illuminates what I feel like the answer to this question is. And I feel like the answer is, manage expectations. Because if we go back to the original question, I think it was something along the lines of customers are moving from a dedicated environment to a shared environment. But I think it just depends on what perspective, because if I'm an application or a service owner, I'm basically always running in a shared environment, right? If virtualization's in play, like sure, I might have my own virtual machine or set of virtual machines, but the underlying hypervisor is shared. And it's no different when I think about a cloud environment, except now my application or services may be running in say, an orchestrated container, you know, or something along these lines. But at the end of the day, the underlying infrastructure is still shared. So it comes back to, I think, the onus of the application or service owner to really set a very strong and understandable KPIs and then manage the expectations around achieving those performance goals. Yeah. And one thing that we haven't really gotten into is what feeds into those KPIs, the user expectations, how you're dealing with that up front and coming from a, a background of for more years than I would like to recount doing end-user computing for on-prem infrastructure, the part where you, you know, you talk to end-users, get their requirements around, you know, how they use the application, how they use data, how they interact with the system, and the changes that you're making moving something from on-prem to a shared cloud environment. If you don't do that legwork up front, then it's really easy to say, yeah, my requirements are for, you know, five nines of uptime for response of five milliseconds for this application and, you know, screen refreshes of, of whatever and line all of those out and have them not meet end user expectations because you didn't quantify it appropriately upfront. Yeah, Jason. So you're touching on an interesting point there that I think we should maybe dig a little bit deeper into how 
customers should assess performance of their applications? What are the KPIs they should be looking to set? And we all use on-premises tools today. And how many of those in particular, you could probably maybe speak to more of the VMware-focused tools that most of us do rely on. How many of those tools would work in the cloud versus having to find a whole new set of monitoring tools? Yeah, so there are... um some options in the Tanzu space if you're talking about looking at Kubernetes metrics like Tanzu in, in VMC or Tanzu on-prem. Tanzu observability is a great tool to leverage there. We can also use vRealize log insight, vRealize operations to do the on-prem level monitoring, but those aren't going to be something that you can use for cloud-based. You know, If you're talking about moving it to a hosted Amazon service, all of a sudden, none of those really work for that. So the tool set that you would have to leverage in that case would be something either intrinsic to the service or something where you can monitor more end-user-centric metrics like application load time or web page load time, things of that nature. Yeah, I guess I've gotten pretty lucky in this space. Since most of my focus is on the data layer, the good thing is the database layer management has been pretty darn consistent between on-prem and cloud. Thankfully, a lot of the management is built out of this thing called dynamic management views inside the database engine. So they've retained those with a lot of the cloud data providers. And thankfully, those are pretty much the same. Where it differs is when you start looking at the underlying infrastructure. So if you're going serverless with managed instances, Amazon RDS, I, database as a service kind of model, you don't get a lot of that telemetry that you're used to getting on-prem that gives you a sense of just what are the other things doing around it. And that's where you have to start relying more heavily on the database level monitoring. And it gets more particular because some of the challenges with noisy neighbors and consistencies, they don't exactly just jump out and yell at you. You got to be more subtle and look for them. It makes life more interesting. I, I think it's a difference when you're looking at the cloud and you're on-prem doing things a certain way where you have the operating system, you got a VM platform for telemetry, and if you are modernizing something as part of a cloud migration, you now have differences of opinion. You, you now have layers that aren't available to you, and that's where things get even more interesting because database as a service, things like that. I don't have an OS. You know, web apps as a service, containers, all these things, it's just different. So you have to retool your processes. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I'll say I think... I have a bit of a difference of opinion here, and I it might even be a bit of a hot take. I think if we're talking about hosted managed kind of cloud environments through like a service provider, I completely agree. When we start talking about public cloud, and I am actually wanting to build and run a platform or workloads on any of the big three and so on, I, for the most part, would argue to throw most of your monitoring tools in the garbage, um, to be honest <laughs> with you. In that case, and I think that's when you need to stop thinking about monitoring and really start focusing on, I'm going to say a buzzword so somebody find me, observability, right? Where you need to be thinking about your entire multi-layered architecture, what's slow, what's broken, what needs to be improved in terms of performance. And it needs to be something that's done throughout the entire life cycle, right? Because it's not just knowing that a problem is happening, which is what you get with monitoring, but it's also knowing why it's happening and then knowing how to go in and fix it, right? So... When we think about this in the public cloud, I think we have a benefit here that we haven't really been focusing on, really. 
APIs. We, we may not necessarily get the exact same telemetry in the public cloud, but we get a ton of telemetry in the public cloud. It's just different. And we have APIs that are available to us in the cloud that are simply not available on-prem. And so when you start thinking about what kind of telemetry data we want to collect, you typically have three primary types through which our systems are observable. We've got our structured and unstructured logs. We've got metrics, right, which we've been focusing on. And we also have things like traces that show the activity for individual requests and transactions as it flows through the entire application stack. So when we start thinking about what tools are available for us in a public cloud scenario, I would argue that there's more tools and better tools that are available that give us a more granular and in-depth look at exactly what's going on. I agree at a macro level. At a micro level, it may change. The data platform space has been inconsistent with improvements on what you can get to. So at a very micro level there, it's hit and miss. At a macro level, by all means, you're absolutely correct. There's nuance to every conversation, right? So I, I certainly agree with when you go, well, when you start digging into what applications and what workloads exactly. we're talking about, then we'll make some arguments. But yeah, yeah. I think as the big grand picture here is throw away your on-prem tools and start over it would be my hot take. But again, nuance within that. Exactly. Yeah. My favorite thing on prem is when you have a company that's got about 2000 monitoring tools and they don't look at any of them, <laughs> throw them away, get to the cloud, use their telemetry where you can, because now you have a single control plane and pane of glass and complement it with anything else that the cloud may not directly offer if that's a problem with that particular layer. Yeah, I think it's a bit interesting because when I think about the question, I start kind of thinking about what are we arguing? I also think it's a a bit of a mentality shift as well. Because when I think about monitoring, this is usually me consuming information passively, right? It's like, oh, I see something happened yesterday, right? Or I see something happen. There's been a weird trend over the last quarter and we're tending to ask questions based off of dashboards. And when you think about most monitoring tools, it's really about like static environments or like little variation. And then we're like, oh, look, a change. But when you think about public cloud, to all of our points that we said, things are just simply a little bit different and there's things that you can't control. So I need tooling that's also aware of variability and can help me detect a number of unknown permutations that I'm just simply not aware of in this new operating model that allows me to really actively understand and to ask questions based off more of like a hypothesis than just looking at a dashboard and going, huh, historically downtrend. Agreed. My big thing is I don't like reactive tools. And that's what traditional monitoring has always been. I want proactive. Tell me what it's going to do, tools. I want to be proactive. I want to clean stuff up before it becomes a problem. <laughs> and that's where I think the cloud's got a big advantage because you're starting to see machine learning in a lot of the telemetry to be able to project forward and give you more of what's going to happen. I love that. Couldn't agree more. For me, telemetry is one of those things that nobody has enough of it or they have too much and they don't pay attention to it. Or they have a thousand monitoring tools, each from a different perspective, that give you completely different points of view. And then they end up arguing that their point of view is right and everybody else's is wrong. And to me, exactly what you said with going to the cloud, scrap what you've got, embrace what they have to give you a more modern look on this stuff at a more holistic level, and then complement it with the things that you need. Yeah, I mean, this is entirely the shift from monitoring and logging, although those things are still important, to observability. And 
it's something that you end up fighting, especially you think about the perspective that folks carry over because, you know, none of us are new to the industry, at least on this call at this point. So we all have histories that were in biases that we bring in and the way that we've done it has been pretty good for a long time, or at least it's been okay for a long time. It's kept us in jobs and able to, you know, look at the performance of systems over time and make things better, or at least make things good enough. So the wholesale shift of the way that we do things is tough for a lot of customers, tough for a lot of folks to wrap their heads around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Organizations change slowly and cloud is rapid and helping folks embrace all the change that the cloud brings and cloud extensions on-prem. It's been fascinating watching the resistance behind it. And that goes with performance. It goes with telemetry and tooling and just observing and you know all the buzzwords that come along with it. It's just, it's a fascinating journey. Definitely. People are always scared of the unknown, right? So I think for many organizations, cloud is still a bit of an unknown, especially like how to operate efficiently within that model. But I actually really want to tie together something that you said, David, with something that you said, Jason, I feel is very important. David, you mentioned you either don't have enough data or you have so much data around metrics and telemetry that you don't know what the heck to do with it. So I think it goes back to something that Jason said, which is really important when he was discussing his time focusing on EUC, which is understanding what you want as that end user experience and then work backwards from that. So I think once you really embrace a lot of the observability tools in the cloud, you're probably going to end up inundated with data. So what is that end user experience? Identify the metrics that matter. Simply put, you're going to collect a lot of data that just doesn't matter. So what matters? And then for each metric, identify that target, your measurement approach, and then the priority. And then you can use these to build alarms, notifications, and so on to proactively scale or address performance-related issues. Yeah, that's a great note there. I really like the point that got made towards the beginning around performance kind of already exists in the cloud. You know, you don't have to worry about whether it's there or not. But it is very dependent on what you need, your KPIs, and the budget that you have to bring to bear to it in order to get that performance that you need. And of course, cloud does offer many new options, including dramatic scale that could be considered to improve your performance. And that performance is dependent on the interactions of all the different layers of your application. So make sure you understand all the components and how they interact with each other, different metrics, different levels of granularity and formally agreed to expectations change the way performance is monitored. So make sure you've got those formal agreements on key performance indicators that should be established between yourself, your providers, and your end users. And depending on the cloud provider you select, you may need to completely retool your monitoring and take that into consideration as to you know why you would pick cloud provider one over cloud provider two the tools that you would use are important to keep into the consideration there because there is potential retraining there. There is potential benefit as well to that because many application level monitoring tools may actually become more important and actually give you a better view of what the performance is, but they may not be able to give you the lower level why question. And that why you can, in some cases, plot easier out of the cloud using APIs and being able to use tools that are designed for observability and this really makes a great time to move to that level of observability that you can use to better react and, and be better prepared for performance bumps and, and try to avoid those. But as with all great conversations, I unfortunately have to end it. 
So with that, we'll finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to Rebecca, David, and Jason for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. The value in, in being able to understand what you're doing and why it's happening and being able to correlate that versus use patterns and use cases is so powerful.